Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast, where we talk about the business of hunting and fishing. Well, before we get on with today's interview, I want to wish everyone a happy 2019. I hope your holidays were uh, restful and you're ready for the new 2019 season. You know, it uh, it's interesting out there. 2019 is sort of stacking up like most other years in regards to that there are different parts of the country that uh, are anticipating some great fishing and hunting, like the uh, the Great Lakes this year with their huge salmon and steelhead populations that have been growing and growing the last couple of years, and, and they're just recording record catches to other parts of the United States and North America that have had their challenges in 2018. 18, such as the red tide down in Florida, and of course the diminished runs in the northwest of salmon and steelhead, which we're all keeping our fingers crossed that it's going to be much, much better than uh, what's anticipated out there. But this time of year is when we're all sort of focused on getting ready for the sportsman shows. You know, we're putting together our booths and making sure that we've got all of the appropriate assets in, in the booth. Then we have our brochures and our, our cards and that sort of thing. Because it's going to get real busy for really all of us, whether or not you do trade shows or not. Did you know that 60% on an average of all hunting and fishing trips are booked in the first five months of every single year. And that's because of the sensitivity, if you may, that the sportsman shows generate this interest out there. And people that are not participating in the sportsman shows, they see an increase in the amount of traffic coming to their websites. So one of the things that you need to think about is make sure that your website is up to date. You have any specials in there that you're going to run in particular for 2019. The shows have actually just started and they're going to run through about the 1st of April. And so, uh, you know, uh, don't hesitate too long to make these changes and take advantage of this increased traffic that's coming up. Well, today's interview is with Rob England. Rob and I have been working together for about a year now. And uh, Rob is an amazing guy. He's got a great background in business and uh, also a real uh, passion for sports in particular, and in particular for guiding. And and, uh, he jumped on board as a full-time guide uh, about a year ago, but it's been guiding for the last 10 years. And um, I'm just absolutely amazed about his knowledge of of the fish and the knowledge of the business and um, he has been seen some real success in his first year and so without further ado here is my interview with rob england of appalachian bronzeback adventures well hello this is ted johnson with the fish on ted podcast we want to thank you uh, for tuning in today and listening to another one of our very interesting guests we have today with us Rob England of, of Appalachian Bronzeback Adventures, based off of um, what are you, where, where are you based out of, Rob? Out of Virginia and the Carolinas, is that right? That's correct, North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, terrific. Well, welcome. We sure appreciate the, the chance to talk with you today. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to it. Uh, well, terrific. Well, hey, Rob. Uh, let me ask you a, a quick question. In the name of your company, 
uh, there is the word bronze back. And, and yes. there's probably a lot of people that don't understand what the term bronze back means. Can you explain? Sure. So smallmouth bass uh, uh, are, is a completely different species than a, than a largemouth bass, but they are part of the overall sunfish family. Um, but um, smallmouth bass uh, oftentimes get a brownish, uh, bronzish color, especially um, the, the larger fish. Um, so it's, it's become a very popular nickname um, for the smallmouth bass, and uh, um, uh, it's it stuck for a, for a long time. So when I, when I was looking to come up with a name uh, for my company, it seemed to fit very well with, you know, Appalachian in the area that I fish um, and, and using that kind of nickname moniker uh, for, for the business. Well, that makes sense. Now, now, where did you grow up, Rob? I grew up in uh, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a Buckeye through and through. Um, uh-huh. so, yeah, that's my home. Um, uh, Dayton is uh, about an hour north of Cincinnati in southwestern corner of Ohio, and uh, you know I grew up I grew up fishing. Um, my my father uh, was a big fisherman. My grandfather. Uh, was a big fisherman and you know they took me fishing very early on Uh, I I can see I still have pictures that my my mother and father took when I was a kid that um, and and they just made it very special Uh, you know that that's what really got me hooked into fishing literally that you know when I caught those first couple fish it was such a big deal and it you know you know as a kid it makes you feel really good and sure um, does yeah, I, I, you know, I was one of the, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, amongst other things, uh, you know, football and hockey. But, uh, uh, you know, in the in the warm months when you're fishing, you know, oftentimes I was, my mom had me dressed up in my little Cincinnati Reds hat and my Reds uh, shirt, and then I had my little vest on and my fishing pole, and <laughs> so uh, it was it was a great time. I loved my grandfather especially. Um, you know, I remember fishing with him, and uh, yeah. unfortunately he passed away at a, a fairly young age, but. Uh, those were great times, and it you know it's kept me going for sure. Ab- absolutely. So what 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 were you fishing for as a young as a young man? Well, um, there was a place that uh, we used to go. Uh, is fairly close to home called Indian Lake. Uh, my grandfather had a cabin up there, so that was our kind of our big vacation. <laughs> um, yeah. But we would go up there a lot of times on weekends because we could get there within an hour. So okay. uh, Indian Lake had a lot of species: uh, smallmouth bass, uh, walleye. Uh, catfish, um, you know, largemouth bass. Um, and, you know, I typically, you know, when you're younger, you know, you fish with a, you know, a lot of live bait, um, sure. you know, fishing with a lot of uh, night crawlers. But uh, I was introduced uh, at a fairly young age to leeches uh, as live bait and caught a lot of smallmouth and a lot of walleye on leeches. And uh, I just remember one day when I was about 12 years old, you know, I'm standing out on the dock and, you know, I, I, I'd caught a lot of fish over, you know, you know, those years. Yeah. Um, this guy comes up in an early v- version of a bass boat. This was probably seven, 1975, 76-ish. And, uh, you know, he's, he's you know, casting both sides of his boat. And literally he throws a, I don't even know what the lure was, but he throws it right to the dock that I'm fishing and slams a, 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 a large smallmouth bass. And that was the moment I'm like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to fish with artificial lures. So I really started, uh, you know, challenging my dad 
uh, and my grandfather at the time, like, okay, I need to, I need to understand how to use these artificial baits um, right. and sit on the dock all day long, <laughs> just sitting here. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, that, that was a memory that I have. that's very vivid and uh, that I, ne- that I've never gotten. I've told him that I've told that story many times. Sure. So, so that was the, the moment when you knew what your, your future held for you at that point. Yeah, at least, you know, you know, fishing for bass, um, you know, the, the guiding thing had not come to mind yet. Um, okay. The guiding had not really, really come to my mind until uh, probably when I was actually in my 30s. So I, um, I, uh, I played football in high school um, mm-hmm. and played hockey when I was a kid. And um, I was lucky enough. Uh, you know, of course, I was not big enough to go to Ohio State. I'm only about five foot seven. So, you know, every kid that grows up in Ohio that loves football wants to go to Ohio State. But, uh, you know, I wasn't going to get a sniff of that place. But uh, I fortunately right. had, had, had a friend of mine that was his father was a scout. And um, he uh, he recommended that, that I think about a school in uh, near Roanoke, Virginia, called uh, Fairham College. And I went down, checked it out and uh, absolutely loved the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and went down there and played football. And while I wasn't playing ball, um, I, I worked, uh, in, in, in Roanoke, um, for a early version of a Walmart. They were called Hills department stores. And there was a guy that worked in the Hills department stores that actually lived up by the James river. And he was always talking about, you know, how great the smallmouth fishing was in, in the James river. And, you know, my experience with smallmouth was always in a lake. Right. So, uh, he eventually took me out and, uh, I think the first day we caught a hundred smallmouth. It just oh my God. really nothing I had ever experienced in my life. And I knew at that moment that, that I was going to fish that river often and for a very long time. Uh-huh. Um, but, it, but it wasn't until I was, you know, probably in my thirties that, and I was working for Del Hayes, I used to get the opportunity, uh, you know, you'd have, you'd have um, uh, suppliers that, you know, would take you on business trips and things like that. And, uh, Gatorade right. I was in the beverage category and Gatorade PepsiCo uh, was one of our big suppliers. You know, they're, they're a monster. And it just so happened that the two guys that called on us were big fishermen. So uh, they would gather a couple of us from Delhaze and they would take us uh, smallmouth fishing every year. Uh, we'd go to the James river and the new river, um, mm-hmm. which I also guide. And uh, after I, I went and did that a couple of years, I'm like, man, I can do this. I mean, I, I, I love being out here. Right. I love catching smallmouth bass, and, th- and these guys were actually fairly young. I mean, they were in their early 20s. Uh, wow. But the guy that owned the company, uh, you know, he was probably about the same age as, as I was, and I got to know him pretty well. Uh-huh. And, and so I, that's when it really started to enter my mind, like, you know, I'm, I had been at Delhaize for a few years now. I, I wanted to start thinking about something beyond, uh, you know, working in corporate America. And, uh, you know, then I started, uh, and I started kind of tooling around with it, uh, right around 2009 or so, you know, right. kind of on a part-time basis. I was still working at Delhaize at that time. Um, but it really was what I, what I would consider the, my dream job. It's, and I, and I've told my wife this and many, many people that I know that I, I, I truly believe that, um, that's what God put me on this earth to do. I, 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 I I'm sociable. I like to be with people. I like, mm-hmm. and you can tell in our many conversations. I, I love to talk. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it seems to have worked out really well. And, um, I, I just, I, I look forward to every opportunity that I get that, that I can get on the river and I never get tired of it. I can be out there for four or five, six days in a row and you know, my shoulders might hurt and, 
you know, my body hurts, but when I get up the next morning, I am, I'm ready to go again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you and I share um, a, a little bit of, uh, of the same sort of history working corporately, but always, you know, thinking secretly or maybe not so secretly about getting out of that type of world and, and getting more involved in the uh, fishing business and the fishing community. And, and uh, those are long years, aren't they? When you, when you fi finally figure out what you want to do and you go, gosh, I'm sitting here when I could be on the river. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the really cool aspects of this is, um, you know, I have two children, uh, uh -huh. two boys, uh, and my youngest boy, uh, he definitely has fish on the brain like I do. Um, you know, I started him fishing young, and, and my other one too, but my other one has always had kind of a, he's always leaned toward the technology world. He's into the computers. He's a developer and he does very well for himself. And so does my young, younger son, but he already sees, I can, you know, in our conversations and I saw it in him early on, he is not the type of person that wants to work in corporate America the rest of his life. And right. um, he has, I mean, we, we, we fish similarly, but we fish different. He, um, he's a little more patient, not that I'm impatient, but I'm a, I'm, I'm very high. I have a lot of energy. I'm very high, a high strung individual in a good way. Uh, mm -hmm. He's more patient. He's very observant. And um, uh, he wants to, you know, once we, you know, get, get things rolling really, really good. He wants to come with me full time and uh, I'll tell you a quick, just a quick story, how good a fisherman he is. Uh, him yeah. and my daughter had their first child this year. And you know, that, that's, that's a huge responsibility. He got to go out and fish one time. Um, so we, I took him on the French broad river uh, mm -hmm. over in Asheville and he caught a six-pound, 24-inch smallmouth, Holy one of the biggest. It's a second or maybe the biggest fish we have ever boated, and, and that was the only time he was able to fish this year. <laughs> really? Holy yeah. Smokes, that's a big fish. Oh, and, and caught it in August. So that fish probably would have gone seven pounds had he caught it in April or, say, October or November. Wow. Wow. As a monster. So in your part of the world, I mean, what would be considered a, a trophy bronze back? Uh, typically anything, you know, over the, or in the, in the three to four pound range, uh, North Carolina is fairly generous uh, with their citation program. Um, yeah. Three, three pounds or 19 inches. Um, and then in Virginia, four pounds or 20 inches. Um, yeah. And we, uh, we, we catch a lot of citations. I, I can't, I don't know the number, but, uh, you know, we, we've boated well over a hundred citation, uh, smallmouth bass. And, and this year, you know, being my first year full time, uh, right. we, we probably boated about 20 citations just this year. Wow. That's a great year, man. That is yeah. a great year. So, so this was your, your first full year guiding then were you guiding, uh, sort of on the side as you were working corporately? Yeah, yeah. So for the last 10 years, uh, like I said, about 2009 is when I started. Um, okay. So, you know, there were times and years that I could do more uh, in some years than others. Um, but uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, after I left Delhaize in 2013 and then I worked uh, for a manufacturing company uh, as a strategic sourcing manager. And, uh, Loved the job, got to travel. We had uh, a lot of plants across the U.S. and Canada. Got to, you know, meet a lot of uh, neat people and see some really cool things. But uh, unfortunately, got laid off there um, in January. And that's kind of what, you know, made really was the push for me to get going. 
right. but yeah, I was still, I was still guiding then. Uh, but you know, running probably in the neighborhood of 20 trips a year, give or take, you know, maybe, you know, like I said, some, some years it was a little more, some years it was a little less, but I always knew that I wanted to do it uh, full time at some point. I, I just had a little trouble and struggling to make that leap of faith um, because there is some, uh, you know, there is some, um, uh, when you're, when you're in the corporate world, uh, you feel protected in a way, you know, you've got your, uh, you've got your health insurance and you've got your 401k and your retirement and all those things. So it's kind of a safe place, so to speak, but, uh, the, the landscape of corporate America has really changed. And, you know, I, I know a lot of folks that have experienced a lot of similar things like myself. So, you know, I wanted to make sure I had something to fall back on that, you know, if I, if I, uh, experience a layoff again. Um, mm-hmm. and I was, I tried to be very smart about how I approached, uh, the last company that I worked for during those five years being a private equity company, right. um, and landed very well after that layoff that really has been a good springboard for me to get into this full time. Oh, good for you. So tell us about your business a little bit. You, uh, you fish, uh, rather technical water. And so you, yes. uh, you guide primarily out of inflatables. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, I have two um, uh, 14 and a half foot Saturn rafts um, with a custom built uh, NRS, which stands for National River Supply uh, frames. Very, very durable, very sturdy. Yeah. Um, and yes, a lot of places that I go, uh, that they, not all, but uh, a lot are very technical. Um, uh, especially um, stretches of the French Broad River as you pl- approach the Tennessee border. Um, a, a couple stretches that I fish on the New River, very technical, uh, meaning that, you know, several class threes, as a matter of fact, on um, on uh, the French Broad River, there's actually a class four. Wow. Um, so, you know, I always let folks know, you know, when, when they're choosing um, a, a section or, you know, if they, if they have a particular float that they would like to go on, I make sure that they understand, you know, what the difference is. Um, Cause I don't, I would never want someone to get in a situation where they're very uncomfortable, they're nervous, they're scared. Um, but uh, I've taken a lot of people on those floats and, you know, they almost get kind of a two for one. You get a whitewater rafting trip along with a, a great fishing experience. And, you know, a lot of places that I fish uh, very little, you know, very little competition. I, I just don't see, you know, I'll see a few kayakers out there, uh, but, you know, I, I very, very seldomly see other guides. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I it's one of the things that I was getting in when, as I was getting into guiding um, that I thought was important was to share these tremendous resources with folks. Sure. Um, just beautiful places, you know, going through the James River Gorge on the James River, a lot of history, Civil War history, even Revolutionary War history. Uh, along those rivers. Um, and, you know, you know, they can, they can, you know, go fishing with me and I'm going to teach them everything. And I don't, I try not to hold anything back. I know there's some, you know, some trade secrets sometimes that you have, but I'm very transparent uh, right. when it comes to uh, fishing. And, you know, I just want to share that knowledge with people. So, you know, if they want to go another time with, you know, take their son or daughter or uh, other friends and things, at least now they, they have the knowledge. They know where to put in, they know where to take out. You know, they know, they know the patterns that will be successful for, for them. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, and at least you know, I, I provided them some information. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people appreciate that and, um, you know, and they'll come back. 
Absolutely, they will. So you fish primarily artificials uh, on the river? Yeah, pretty much. I would say about uh, almost 95% of the time. Um, there, there will be times um, in fall uh, that I found over the years that um, uh, kind of a free lining, uh, a large chub or, or shiner right. uh, is really good because, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, once you get into really late fall, a lot of the bait fish have, have died off. I mean, you still mm-hmm. got a lot of uh, crawfish, crawdads in the river and things like that. But, um, you know, your yearling uh, uh, creek shiners and those things have either been eaten or they've died. Um, so, or, and the ones that are still there are actually have grown pretty, pretty large. Um, so that can be, uh, that can be fairly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it takes, it takes some effort. So, uh, but yeah, most of the time we're, we're, you know, fishing artificials, um, you know, I have probably six or seven uh, go-to baits. You know, they're not the only ones that we use, but I have a pretty good knowledge and understanding that if they're not biting on those, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're probably just not biting for that particular day. Right. Right. So are, are there any other species of fish in the rivers you, uh, um, oh, yeah. you guide on? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, all, all of the rivers that I fish uh, are renowned musky water as well. Oh. Um, some floats uh, better than others. Um, and, uh, and, and the good news is that uh, they, they have really, I don't, I don't know, I don't know particularly uh, why I probably need to do a little additional research, but um, like on the James River, this year was the first year that they haven't stocked musky in like 30 years or something. And uh, they have really taken well um, in the river and, you know, being caught on a much more regular basis, mm-hmm. um, in, in all the rivers, even in the Maury river, which is a smaller river, uh, that that's a tributary to the James river. Um, you know, you can catch muskie up to 30, 40 pounds. Um, an average wow. fish probably runs in the 15 to 20 pound range. We had a number of hookups this year. Um, got a few to the boat. Um, but, uh, I'm probably going to start, offering some uh, musky trips uh, once we, you know, uh, me and my wife relocate and actually live in the state of Virginia near the rivers. Uh, right. We start offering uh, uh, specific musky guided trips because there are some uh, sections of the river that are much better than others. Um, and uh, it's just a, I, I, I call a, a hookup with a musky. I've always referred to it as, is like being in a two-fisted bar fight. I mean, they are, <laughs> they are, unbelievably uh, aggressive species and mm-hmm. they are not happy when they get hooked. <laughs> right. Right. Gosh, <laughs> and, what, um, what a, yeah. What is the, go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that, what a surprise that must be. You've got a fisherman on the boat that's going after a, um, a six pound smallmouth, And then all of a sudden they hook up on a 20 pound muskie. I mean, that's uh, the, that, that must be quite an experience just to watch their face. It is. And, and, you know, I was just talking to my wife the other day that uh, I, I, I'm going to have to approach things a little differently when we do get hooked up on musky because I have found out when I say that word, yeah, people just seem to, you know, get very, very nervous. And well, yeah, I mean, I need to continue. I, I continue to guide them through the process. Um, but, you know, to your point, you know, you're fishing for a four or five pound uh, smallmouth. 
and all of a sudden you have a 20 or 30 pound fish on and potentially a fish of a lifetime. I had a guy uh, on the French Broad River earlier this year. He's with his son, and we were in a real deep stretch of water, and, and he caught one. It had to be probably in the 30-pound range. Oh, my. And um, he did great until it got about six feet from the boat, and then he took his hand off the reel and had one hand on the bottom of the rod and another hand at the top of the rod uh, or kind of in the middle of the rod, and he was just kind of in a tug of war uh, with him. Ooh. I'm like, yeah, really? you can't. You just can't do that. <laughs> and uh, the, the fish kind of came belly up to us, and it, it pulled out, unfortunately. But uh, uh, my wife hooked a very nice one uh, uh, back uh, in probably September-ish, maybe late August, September. Water was crystal clear. Yeah. We saw it the whole way. Uh, she she was a champion. She did a great job with it. Um, and it was a just a beautiful fish. Unfortunately, uh it, 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 we all, we lost that fish, but we had it right to the side of the boat. It, it just wouldn't fit in the net and, uh, it thrashed one time, but I, yeah. I call that, I call that, you know, pretty close to a landed fish. I mean, she had it right there. Sure. Sure. I would call it landed. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, a, get a couple of pictures of that and send it on, send it on, on its way. Now, yeah. now, were you saying also at one time that you have walleye in the rivers? Yeah, so uh, not in all four rivers. Uh, a lot, a uh, very good walleye population in the New River and also in the uh, the French Broad River. Um, right. Typically, we catch them by accident, um, but we especially see an increase in hookups uh, in early spring. They are a very cold water fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when that water temperature is you know in the high forties and, and low fifties, right. uh, you're very likely uh, to get on them. And, and they hit a lot of the same uh, types of baits that smallmouth do, uh, you know, mm-hmm. jerk bait and uh, plastic type, uh, especially crawl, you know, they'll eat crawled edge just like a, a smallmouth, um, but especially minnow uh, imitation baits. Um, right. And we looked up on some fairly nice ones. A couple of years ago, we had, uh, uh, we had an eight pounder uh, that we landed on the, on the new river and that uh, fish nice in the river a long time. You can tell it was a pretty old fish, but uh Nice. It was a very large fish. Um, so, uh, and, and the one thing about walleye different than musky and smallmouth and, and some of the other species, uh, it's a great eating fish. So mm-hmm. if you catch, that's one fish that, you know, for the most part, we're all catch and release, right. but I, I do, uh, allow my clients, um, you know, if they want to, um, that if we, if we catch a walleye of legal length, uh, I encourage them to keep that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll put it on ice for them and try to clean it up and, get a home to them in a, in a good condition so they can uh, give that, give that a try. And, you know, if they've never had that experience, uh, there, walleye is best eating fish. no better bar. fish taco in the world than it. Taco. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, growing up in Ohio, you know, I fished, like I said, you know, on that lake that I fished, uh, near the house, um, you know, we had a lot of walleye plus, you know, we got, I got to go to Lake Erie and right. You know, there are millions and millions of walleye in Lake Erie. Oh, absolutely there are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what that lake is known for up there. So yeah. uh, being uh, uh, being relatively uh, uh, new as a full-time guide, um, yep. do you have sponsorships or pro staff agreements in place or uh, at this time, Rob? Not yet. That's something I, I want to do. I, I'm not exactly sure how to kind of cross that threshold, but I'm very interested in that. So um, uh-huh. I just need to, uh, you know, really learn how, what that first step is. Um, but, but very interested in it and, uh, you know, very open to do it. You bet. So, uh, what type of uh, equipment do you fish with, uh, rods, reels and that sort of thing? 
Yeah. So um, typically my, my favorite uh, setup is uh, a six and a half foot uh, medium action spinning rod, you know, for smallmouth and, and, and walleye um, with, with eight pound test. I, I typically don't in the rivers, I typically don't use, uh, you know, some of those super lines uh, oh, because yeah. there, there are a lot of snags in the river. And when you, if you have braid on or something like that, uh, it, it's not coming out. Um, so typically mono right. uh, you know, has a lot of memory, um, eight pound. Um, and uh, uh, I like, uh, I, I've always liked Shimano reels. They've always uh, done very well for me. Um, I think it's the uh, Sahara uh, brand that I that I typically uh, outfit with my um, uh, with my rods, right? Um, and then from I usually have a rod in the boat that uh, if I see musky um, uh, that will throw. It's more of a more of a bait casting um, mm-hmm. and more of a heavy heavy duty. Uh, you know, I don't put real heavy duty line on. You know, although I'll you know have a bit of a, a, a steel leader on there, but. Uh, uh, I'll typically go with a 12 to 14 pound line. I know that sounds probably a little bit light, uh, but with the water being so clear uh, most of the time on the rivers that I fish coming out of the Appalachian mountains, uh, I think, I think it's better going with a lighter line than it would be to, you know, throw, you know, a 30 pound line out there. Plus again, you know, you have all the snags and things. So uh, right. I keep, I keep that rod ready. Um, you know, if, if I, if we see him and we spot them and, and a lot of times we will in that clear water, then we'll start tossing. Yeah. Now, now what uh, brand of rods do you fish, Rob? Um, I like uh, Bass Pro Shops has, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the, the model of, of the rod. I can't believe I've forgotten. I hate to, <laughs> this might be one of the places you, you, you edit. Um, it's a six foot six uh, bionic blade. That's it. I'm sorry. Uh, it. Okay. I love the bionic blade. I think for the price, uh, the price range, um, it's about as good as you can get in that price range. And they've been very durable for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had the customary break, you know, broken rod tips and those types of things. Sure. Uh, but that bionic blade is a great six and a half foot medium action rod, fast tip. Uh, it's got great backing strength. Um, you know, I've used other rods, but I, I seem to always come back to that one. Right. And then you, you pair that up with one of the Shimano reels. That's correct. Yeah, very good. Very good. So in, in regards to, you know, kind of a typical trip, uh, if yep. somebody wants to uh, go on a trip with you, you offer, what, full-day trips and half-day trips, or what's the mix there? Yeah, full-day. The ha- I, 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 I advertise it as a half-day, but it's more like a three-quarter day because, um, you know, when you're on a river, you know, you are – it's different than being on a lake where, you know, you can take off from the, the, the boat dock and, you know, motor around the lake and then, you know, motor right back to that same boat dock. When you're fishing a river, you know, you have point A is your put in and point B is your takeouts. Some mm-hmm. of the floats have some shorter runs. Um, so, you know, I, I typically give folks more of a, like a three-quarter day. Um, Got it. And uh, depending on the time of the year and how many hours of daylight um, – uh, is when, you know, we'll, we'll target to put in, um, in, in the summertime, uh, you know, we'll put in probably, uh, in, in the 8 AM to 9 AM range. Um, when we have the shorter days, we'll, we'll put in a little bit earlier. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I have learned, uh, over the years, 
that I have fished is uh, smallmouth bass. And we definitely catch bat, uh, smallmouth in the morning, and, and we've caught a lot of them. But it, it, to me, most of the fishing, the good fishing for smallmouth actually happens after lunch. Um, so it does, really. Yeah, I'm never really in a huge hurry to get out early. Um, you know, a lot of clients ask me that question, you know, don't, don't, you know, can we get out earlier? And if they want to get out earlier, we definitely will. I'm flexible and right. uh, we definitely stay out late. I mean, there are trips in the summertime that, you know, if we're catching a lot of fish and folks want to stay out, I've been out there almost till dark. So, uh, I'm pretty flexible, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the types of days, but, uh, you know, typically, like I said, we'll put in between like say seven and 9 AM. Okay. And you know, uh, for a full day trip, uh, we're probably getting off the water at four or five. But again, you know, if we're catching a lot of fish, I'm flexible. I'll stay out longer. Um, mm-hmm. For a three-quarter day trip, we typically start a little bit later. So I like to catch that afternoon bite. And it's probably uh, 9 or 10 a.m. And okay. then fish probably until about 3 or 4 o'clock or maybe maybe a little longer. Again, depends on how many fish that we're catching. Um, right. You know, I provide all of the tackle. Uh, I provide, uh, you know, the, the rods, the reels, uh, all of the artificials. Uh, there are folks that like to bring their own, um, uh, tackle and that's perfectly fine. You know, I know I'm not a golfer, but I know, you know, golfers, you know, uh, get really attached to, you know, to certain clubs and things like that. And I understand that with fishermen as well. So, uh, and I, and I used to do that when I would go with guides. So, um, so folks can bring their own, uh, equipment if they like, uh, I provide, uh, snacks and drinks, um, but uh, I do require that uh, they, you know, they bring some type of a lunch with them. Uh, right. And we'll, we'll always stop. You know, sometimes we'll either eat, eat lunch in the boat or, uh, you know, we'll pull over and, you know, take a break and uh, kind of re- recharge and uh, spend a little time, you know, taking some pictures and things and then, you know, get back at it. Sure. Now, now you mentioned there, uh, take some pictures and that sort of thing. Is there a lot of wildlife to be seen on the rivers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the rivers that I fish go through national forests. Uh, wow. the James river, uh, is bordered by the Jefferson and George Washington, uh, national forest uh, on a lot of the stretches that I fish. Um, the French broad river, uh, by the Pisgah national forest and even, uh, uh, the Cherokee national forest and approaching the Smoky mountain national forest as you get up close to Tennessee. Um, the, the new river I'm trying to, I can't remember, but the, a lot of national forest. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, uh, national forest and land and, and very little development anywhere uh, on the river. So uh, it's pretty remote in most places. Um, it's not uh, unusual to see deer uh, very often. Um, we saw a bunch of them in the water recently uh, on our trip uh, late fall. Um, I actually had one, we were on the French broad river back in, I guess it was September and we, you know, we've talked about how much rain we've had here out in the East and the river was a a little higher than normal. And uh, so I, you know, I, out of the corner of my eye, I see what I thought was a a tree or, you know, a branch uh, floating down the river. And when I, when I looked again, it's a buck. Uh, He swam swam right past the boat and I didn't realize how good a swimmer's deer were, but he was clicking right along and all he swam all the way across the river, got out, shook off, looked at us a little bit and took off up into the woods. So that was a really cool sight. Um, I think one of the most fun things that we have to look forward to, you know, obviously other than uh, the obviously uh, great fishing are the bald eagles. Um, it's, I would say about 80 to 85% of the time we see uh, a bald eagle, if not multiple ones 
Um, and we've gotten some really close up shots uh, as they have, you know, gone out to the river and maybe grabbed something to eat and, you know, uh, flew back up and perched themselves on, on a branch or they're up in the branch, you know, kind of scanning the river for food. Um, but uh, uh, they're just seemed to, they're just so majestic uh, to see them out there. Uh, we see bear, but they're, they're very few and far between, uh, especially on the French broad. Um, you know, it's not unusual now that, you know, I live in Charlotte and, uh, you know, there's, there's reports on the news all the time that bears are getting, you know, their people's backyards. There's a huge population of bear, uh, in Western North Carolina. So we're seeing a lot of those, uh, but, uh, well, I wouldn't say a lot, um, more often, um, but they are very, very skittish, uh, animal. Uh, we see otters, we see, uh, minks, we see minks on the river or mink, if that's the pro- correct pronunciation. Um, lots of turtles, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of wildlife that, uh, kind of adds to the experience. Absolutely. Now, now how many people again, can you put on a raft, the, the fish? Uh, two. Uh, so I, I'm in the middle, uh, behind the oars. Uh, there's a seat in the front and a seat in the back. And we currently have, uh, we currently have two rafts. As I mentioned earlier, my youngest son, uh, guides with me. And, um, you know, if all things go well this year, we'll, we'll be adding a third. And, uh, uh, my, uh, my, uh, stepdaughter's boyfriend uh, is very interested and, uh, he wants to, he wants to get involved and, uh, uh-huh. he's been around fishing all his life. So, uh, uh, hopefully we can get him out there and, uh, get, get on the river a little bit. Very good. And and the rafts have uh, like fishing platforms on them and that sort of thing that people can stand up and, and uh, fish that way. Um, on my old boats, I had them. I, I haven't put them on my new boats yet. So okay. uh, I, I'm, I'm considering that um, because there are a lot of people that like to stand up and currently when they stand up, they're not. Uh, uh, I had a guy this summer. I, I swear I thought the guy was going to fall out of the boat 10 times. I mean, Ooh, he was, really? so, I mean, oh, he was a good fisherman and he was so aggressive. And I'm like, you know, I probably need to put another standing platform on this boat because every time he would stand up and we'd hit a rock, you know, he'd wobble a little bit. And I'm like, well, that guy's going to go in. <laughs> right. right. Oh, that, that, uh, that, that sort of quails the, uh, the size of the tip at the end. If a guy's in the boat shivering for four hours before you get yeah. out. And that, now in regards to, I mean, because you're doing a float trip and that sort of thing. Yeah. You have your vehicle shuttled down to the takeout. Is that how that works? That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we have a, a, a takeout and then we'll shuttle that and we have, you know, kind of shuttle the vehicles and everything, but we make sure, you know, to, to get our clients you know, back to their vehicle uh, safely afterwards. And um, uh, it, you know, I've, I've got the, I've got all the routes drawn out pretty good. So they're normally fair. It's normally a, a, a fairly easy uh, shuttle process. Got it. So if somebody wants to come and fish with you, but they're coming from some distance away, where, where do they stay um, the evening before uh, the, the the float? Um, well, there's there's a lot of options. Uh, so okay. if if you're, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go river by river. Uh, obviously, each each one of the rivers because of their locations and being, um, you know, in 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 or near national forest land. Uh, there are many campgrounds uh, oh, okay. uh, near the French Broad River in North Carolina, the James River uh, in Virginia, the Maury River, and also the New River. Um, so, you know, I, I 
folks can always uh, contact me uh, if they're interested in staying in a campground. Mm-hmm. And I can, uh, I can, you know, and I have a lot of, uh, I, I know a lot of them and I recommend a lot of those places. So, uh, you know, we kind of have a, um, a reciprocal agreement uh, with a lot of uh, campgrounds, you know, you know, we'll recommend them, they'll recommend us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, for those folks that might just be, you know, it's kind of a pass through and an overnight, and they really don't want to, you know, mess with, uh, you know, all the camping uh, equipment. Um, there, there's hotels that, that, might be somewhat close, um, some closer than others. Uh, like, for instance, in uh, on the James River and the Murray River, <clears throat> you've kind of got the option of uh, the north end of the, the city of Roanoke, Virginia, oh, okay. uh, or, or Lexington, Virginia. Lexington is a is a is a fantastic place to stay. Um, a lot of Civil War history there, with uh, Robert E. Lee uh, being buried uh, at uh, Washington Lee University, um, and his horse traveler. And there's a lot of Civil War history there, so. A lot of people like to stay there, maybe tour around Lexington, really cool place. Um, uh, on the New River, not far from uh, Blacksburg, you know, Virginia Tech University, um, Withville, that area, there's uh, plenty of hotels in, in that area. Sure. Um, and then uh, French Broad River, Asheville, last year, 10 million people uh, uh, visited Asheville uh, as wow, far as tour. really? 10 million. Um, so you had the Biltmore House there, which is the the Vanderbilt family that you know uh, is very famous. It's the only castle in the United States, uh, right. official castle in the U.S. Um, so and, and it, it's just a very culturally rich city. Uh, if you like music, you can find music in Asheville. Um, lots of places to again, you know, hiking with the mountains, um, and it's very close. I mean, it's been a very popular. Uh, destination for a lot of my uh, clients because they're so in, in such close proximity to Asheville. Right. Uh, and then on the Northern end, which the, fr- the river actually flows North toward the Tennessee border, you've got the town of hot Springs, much smaller, but the Appalachian trail runs right through hot Springs. Oh, um, so also a very popular destination there. Very good. Very good. So you're, you're, it sounds like your son's all excited about joining you in the business and, and actually has in, in, in many respects. Yes. You know, if, you were, if you were sitting down with a young man like that and, and he looked at you in the eye and he goes, you know, hey, what is it like being a guide? What what you know, if I want to do this, what um, what secrets can you share with me? What would you tell him? Yeah. Well, I, I would say the, the first thing is that you you absolutely have to love uh, being outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to really enjoy, uh, you know, the uh, interaction with. Uh, so many different types of people. Right. Um, and um, this, but this, the secret of it is, you know, really getting, getting your feet wet, so to speak. Uh, um, and, and really understanding and learning how, you know, whatever the species is that you're going to target. Right. Um, really do a lot of uh, not only, um, trial and error of getting out there on the stream um, and fishing and using multiple different types of patterns. But, uh, you know, study, uh, talk to other fishermen, um, utilize the resources that you have available to you today in terms of uh, uh, social media and the internet, um, learn about the species. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, you know, knowledge is a, is a great thing that, that, you know, when you can share that with folks and, you know, when, once you get out there and you start guiding and you can explain to people, you know, the, the 
the habitats of a smallmouth bass, how they, how they act, how they think. So, I mean, you really kind of have to learn how to think like a fish, you know, right. if, you know, if today's cloudy or if today's sunny, you know, what, what would I typically be doing? Um, mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, guiding is very different. Again, you know, we talked about it earlier about, you know, being in the corporate world, um, you know, you're not going to an office every day. You have to, uh, you know, I've certainly been challenged this year uh, with mother nature. Um, you know, there's, there's a level of patience that you have to have because you can't control the weather. Um, and you have to do your diligence. Ago, in terms I, of- I uh, was uh, uh, talked into taking a, um, a, a guy that I had met, actually a pastor of a church down uh, the McKenzie river. And yep. I kept telling him about all the great times we had fishing on the McKenzie in, in Oregon. And he wanted to go down. And I said, okay, I can arrange this trip. And I picked a section of the river and I called a guide and, and the guide uh, uh, said, well, that, that's only about a half a day float. And I go, you know, as a kid, you know, probably for 20 years. And it's a full day float if you fish it right. Right. And uh, so the guy, you know, reluctantly decided, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll take that float. And so we get in the, uh, in the boat and about halfway down, there was this horseshoe area that the, that the river would go north. Hello. Yep. Hello. Sorry about that. We got disconnected there somehow. Yeah. The last thing I heard is the guide reluctantly, uh, took decided to take you down the McKenzie and you were in some kind of a horseshoe bend or something. Yeah, yeah, we were going through this horseshoe bend and, and I kept explaining to my, my buddy uh, John, uh, the pastor, I said, you know, we're going to fish, you know, uh, for a couple hours on this horseshoe and you wouldn't believe the beautiful water and the channels that go through this and there was a, a little creek that would come in and a slough and we got there and the year before they had had a, a flood that came through the McKenzie and it cut a channel right from one side of that horseshoe to the other. And that was all dried up in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so uh, the guy kind of looked at me funny, like, you know, I kept telling you, this is really a short float. And I go, oh, now I understand, you know. But ah, uh, yeah, you, things change. You, yeah, things change. Things change a lot, you know, especially, uh, you know, from day to day also. I mean, if the fish aren't biting, you're kind of you're kind of on stage at that point, aren't you? Right. Oh yeah, yeah, and certainly. Uh, and 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 one of the things that I you know is is I I, I talked about it a little bit that um, doing some research not only about the species but uh, you know researching uh, the, the areas where you're fishing. Um, I've learned a great deal about uh, the history of the James River. Uh, Lexington with uh, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson influence. Um, you know, folks like uh, are interested to hear about those things. Uh, uh, there's a uh, a number of old uh, canals along the James River and the Maury River mm-hmm. that uh, George Washington started uh, back before the Revolutionary War, and uh, Robert E. Lee picked it up and continued. Um, and it was a uh, the, the intent was to be able to go from the Atlantic Ocean up the James River and and finally get to the Mississippi River. And they are called the Kanawha Canal System. And there's still remnants of the canals, uh, some some better than other. They're, they're basically locks, and they positioned them uh, near the rapids. So before the train tracks came in, the trains, the horses would pull 
uh, pull the barges down the river on the towpath, which is now the railroad tracks. They, oh, would get to, they would get to the canals and the locks. They'd fill them up, and then they would, you know, continue upriver. And right. uh, uh, some of they're just beautiful. Um, so I, I think that's important uh, that you can share some history uh, with your clients. But I think, you know, if, if, if I was to, to kind of say it in a couple words, it's, that if, you know, I think the secret to guiding is that you can't just like it. You have to love it. And, and and not think of it as, I mean, you have to think of it as your livelihood, obviously, but don't mm-hmm. think of it as a job. And when I'm out there, it's, it's, it's very different than I was in the corporate world that, you know, okay, this is my job. I have to do this. Um, I want, I, I mean, I, I wanted to do my job, obviously when I was corporate America, I, I loved what I did, but it's all, it's all up to me. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's what I decide to do and how I decide to approach it. And, I think that uh, another important thing is, you know, be open to learn from, from your customers. I have some great fishermen come fishing with me and mm-hmm. I have learned some patterns that, you know, I had not tried before. Uh, right. By all means, if they want to try something, you know, they're more than welcome to do that. So uh, it's always, it's always a, a good, a good thing to be open-minded and, and learn from your, learn from your clients. Absolutely. Well, Rob, I sure appreciate the chance to uh, talk with you today. This has been uh, very enlightening. It's uh, Our relationship goes back almost a year now, and, and you and I have worked yeah. together on some projects together, and, and it's just been a real pleasure to uh, um, get to know you and, and, and just see your passion. And you can tell that things are just going to continue to get better and better for you. If, if somebody wants to come fish with you, how do they contact you, Rob? Well, they can, uh, they can um, look me up online uh, the website that you, you helped me with at, uh, uh, www.appbronzebackadv.com. Or they can call, call me at, uh, 704-467-5993. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram uh-huh. at Appalachian Bronzeback Adventures. Very good. And we're going to be posting those links on the uh, show notes uh, for people to, to look up also. So, uh, Rob, thank you so much again. I really appreciate the chance to uh, uh, the, the chat with you. And I'm, I'm sure uh, um, people are looking forward to uh, coming and seeing your part of the world and uh, uh, having you show them a little about uh, how to catch a, 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 a big Bronzeback. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and, and one thing that I would, you know, I would I, that I that I would say to a lot of folks, and I do, um, is that the smallmouth bass fishing in the eastern U.S. If folks don't already know, uh, it, along the Appalachian rivers uh, of the eastern United States, is it, absolutely world class smallmouth bass fishing. It's it's some of the best uh, that that we have to offer in the United States. Very good, very good. Well, best of luck to you in 2019, Rob. All right. Thanks. You too, Ted.